fandom called This Team is Ruining My Life. And I wrote this before they followed up a 4 nothing win against Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins with a loss to a 42-year-old Zamboni driving emergency goalie who works for them. They lost to a 42-year-old Zamboni driver who works for them. <laughs> joke name a bigger joke in the national hockey league the buffalo sabers well hey they haven't made the playoffs in a while the buffalo sabers they they do lose a lot of games don't they i need an owner who's gonna answer the fans when they misspell names on jerseys and have chinese knockoffs on alumni like what is going on like what are we doing like, I don't understand it, man. Like, Bulldog, you, you lived through this. You've seen it. Like, have you ever been, like, have they ever chucked a passion on you like they have me? I've dedicated my life to hockey because of the team. Like, I can't do it anymore, man. I don't need a damn camera in front of Terry Pagula every single day. But I dress our concerns. Be there when, when, when you screw up. Answer to the mistakes. Be accountable. I highly doubt. He would have allowed Chinese knockoff jerseys to be worn by Danny Garrett at Turkey Drive. I would have got on the ice, the goat head, missing deadline. Like, what the hell is going on? Like, what is it? Like, I, 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 don't, I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, like, I'm sick of it, Robot. I'm sick of it. I'm sorry. Hang up and listen. I'm sorry. And with that, welcome, everybody. 53 of two goalies, one Mike. I'm Johnny Cullen, joined alongside Dwayne Steinal. As you heard him there in the intro, uh, if that doesn't get your blood going, get you six to midnight, I don't know what will. Um, ironically, episode 53, we'll be talking about Jeff Skinner later today in the turmoil that is the Buffalo Sabres uh, $9 million man. Uh, Dwayne, welcome. How are you, buddy? Uh, not too bad. I felt uh, today being the anniversary of the David Ayers game, and uh, the 10-year anniversary of the infamous Terry Pugula buying the Sabres and giving the speech, the sole purpose of this organization is win a Stanley Cup. You know, I'll drill another well if I want to make money. Whole ordeal. So thought that back-to-back uh, that -back planes of that uh, that video clip was uh, appropriate for today. Oh, absolutely. And, and like I said, it – well, like you just uh, referred to, I think it plays into what's going on, you know, here in Sabres land. Um, and, and the anniversaries of it all, right? Um, you know, a year ago today, we saw the infamous David Ayers victory over the, the Maple Leafs. And you know what? For, you know, it was a great episode with Steve Dangle, but it just, every time I, I listen to that, I'm reminded that the first thing that he brings up in comparing the misery and the mediocrity and, and, and being, you know, irrelevant in the hockey world is the Buffalo Sabres. So if that doesn't grind your gears, I don't know what will. Um, and so there's an anniversary of that. It's a cool day in hockey. You got the anniversary of Miracle on Ice. Uh, we'll touch on Chris Peter, Chris Peters, friend of the program, Chris Peters' article, uh, which is really interesting later on in the show, um, and the upcoming gaming at the Isles. So lots going on. But, uh, you know, let me take you back, you know, a year in time um, or 10 years ago in time when Terry made that speech, Dwayne. Uh, I think all of Buffalo, Buffalo was optimistic. We didn't know what the future held, if the team was even going to stay here. Uh, you know, hindsight's you know, 2020, but it's been 10 years 
what is your 10-year, you know, recap, I guess, on, on what uh, what the franchise has been quickly? Uh, you know, uh, you go from being on cloud nine when you hear the things he said and when he bought the team and then you see the like some of the things he did right off the gate. You know, he saw an owner that was willing to, uh, you know, get involved, you know, went out and I think I think he actually flew to Canada to go talk to Robin Regeer when we signed him because there was a, you know, an interest in signing Regeer uh, and, you know, not just a defenseman role, but a leadership role, you know, the, uh, the Christian Erhoff deal with Christian Erhoff, you know, at the time was a very good defenseman, you know, Terry made it known that he liked Christian and he wanted him on the team and, you know, they went and did it and you saw all these things that, you know, pointed in so many positive directions for this organization and then just, it's just been nothing since it's just been, it's been, it's been miserable. It's been just the complete opposite of hockey heaven as like, you know, Terry uh, kind of gave the city the moniker, you know, Buffalo is hockey heaven. And it's just, it's just been the complete opposite. And obviously this past two years have, you know, been very more glaring than other than the previous eight. Uh, but it's been, it's been pretty bad. It's been pretty bad. Yeah, and I think that sums it up. Um, you know, the constant, I guess, optimism in me is that the, the the ship will get turned around. I think we've touched on it quite a bit, and we don't have to spend any more time on it. But uh, the constant turnover, and I get why it's happened uh, at the GM position, at the coach position. Um, you need consistency, right? And not even on that, on a micro level, when you look at the lines, you need consistency, but in the right places. And I get that no training camp this year has been tough, but every other team's dealing with that, Dwayne. Um, but, you know, going going forward into where we're at, um, the, the Sabres were dealt a tough blow, like we touched on a little bit last episode with the COVID. Um, coming back, you know, missing key pieces and, and wrist aligning with Hall only skating one day. Uh, they looked flat in, in their games against the uh, the Islanders. Um, and that was frustrating um, because, you know, before that, I think we we had won, what was it, the um, from January 4th. We beat the Capitals in a shootout. We beat the Rangers. Um, then we lost in the OT uh, to the Rangers. And then we beat the Devils um, and then lost again. And, and then you have that two-week layoff. So you come out, um, you know, I think it was 3-1-1. and one, and then you, 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 we look just flat against the Islanders both games, um, and then the Capitals game some more of the same. What, what I encur- what I was encouraged by Dwayne against the, the the Devils, and I think getting overshadowed and everything that's going on is that we haven't talked about the Sabers playing a really good game against the Devils this past weekend. Um, and it, to me, it was the first game where we really came out firing from all four lines we had consistent pressure we 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 could have scored three or four goals in that open period uh blackwood was insane um but i really liked what i saw and and this is a big time in the season for us to you know i hate to say it, it it's do or die time uh but it's getting to that point in a shortened season you need to string together you know wins not losses uh coming off of perhaps your best you know i don't want to say full 60 minute effort cuz they really took the gas off in that third period against the devils uh, but I was really encouraged what I saw. So before we get into everything else, um, going back to the Devils game, Dwayne, what were your thoughts? You know, I was actually working while they were playing the Devils, but I caught up uh, when I got out of work. It just seems like the very the first forty minutes were completely dominated by Buffalo. It seemed that they, you know, really controlled puck possession, score, you know, had tons of scoring chances. And it, you know, I said it before the game. 
I said bring, getting back Dylan Cousins should really create a spark in this lineup. The kid has been just absolutely a breath of fresh air since the season started. He's always got lots of energy, comes comes with it every game. So having him back in the lineup should help, and it, it, it proved to be true because he created a lot of scoring chances. He was hitting. He was winning puck battles. He was winning. Uh, he was you know he was he was winning. He, he was. Beating, uh, winning the battles to lose pucks, um, just all, all your board battles. He, he was doing everything against the Devils. And, um, you know, that really, honestly, in my opinion, proved to be, you know, the X factor with them winning that game. Even though he didn't get a goal, I, I really don't think they win that game without him. Yeah, and I think he had a lot to do with setting the tone that I talked about. That was the first game, Dwayne, where I've seen the Sabres look, well, just take over from the very drop of the puck. Uh, they've been mirrored by a lot of slow starts. As, and, and the Sabres this year, like a lot of other teams, uh, are not a team that is good from behind. And when you're playing catch-up hockey constantly, um, it's tough. It's not fun. And the results show it. Um, but And like you said, it doesn't need to show on the score sheet. I think when you look at all of um, you know, Dylan Cousins' peers, and you can bring up Trevor Zegras, who just got called up today by Anaheim. The Sorry. one thing that makes Cousins so appealing to me, Dwayne, is he's the most NHL-ready in, in terms away from the puck. Um, he's physical. Like you said, he threw his body around. He didn't need to get on the score sheet to make a difference, and, and we saw that. And it's exciting to see. For me, um, my, my only question is, is how soon will we see him at center? If he's been this good at wing, how good will he be at his natural position? What do you think it'll take for him to make it, the, the, the jump to center? Um, maybe an injury. I, uh, you know, I don't want to force him into a role if we don't know he's ready for it yet. Not saying that I don't think he is, but we all saw what happened with Casey Middlestat when we forced him into a role he wasn't ready for. He has not been the same player since. I know it's a different situation. We've allowed Dylan Cousins to develop. Uh, we allowed him to go back to juniors. You know, he, he, he showcased his skills at the world junior tournament. So it is a different situation, but I'm not sure if I'm ready, especially when you do have Jack and Eric, uh, Jack Eckel and Eric Stahl on the team, to and Cody Eakin to rush him into that situation yet. Maybe let him continue to play well on that second line and continue to produce before you ask that of him. Yeah, next, next year I think is the year when you you definitely put him at center. I agree. Uh, it just it's it's nice to see the Sabers getting that that jump on a team early, and I think against the Islanders team that is so well coached by Barry Trotz. And, and you talk about you know there's lots of jokes made about the Sabers fourth line and, and Ralph's inability to change that third line. You look at the Islanders and what is it Clutterbuck, Sezikis, um, and Matt Martin. They do their job extremely well, and they are well used by Coach Trotz. Um, and, and they're going to wear you down, especially on a, you know, a shorthanded Buffalo Sabres team, you know, with Rissa lining out and McCabe out and we'll get to McCabe here in a, in a bit, but, uh, it's going to be, you know, all hands on deck and you're going to need that same start and you're going to need strong games, um, from everybody in your lineup because against a team like that, they're, they, they play, you know, very hard on the forecheck, but they're so good defensively. Um, they're good in transition. Barry Trotz is just have has them in a, into a well-oiled machine, as we saw with our back-to-back -back losses against them, Dwayne. Uh, so you need that 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 start again against them if you want to have a chance. Uh, I think our goaltending's been better, but if you look at it uh, in our past three losses, um, you know three goals against, three goals against, three goals against, five goals against. We're not a team that's going to score four goals a night, right? No. Um, as you saw in our last win, we barely eked out three-two. Hated how we, we let off the gas and really gave them an opportunity. Um, I thought Allmark played well. It wasn't crazy about the second goal from P.K. Subban late. I think the timing of that goal 
uh, is just dreadful. For, and you know, as a goalie, if you're up by two and you give up that goal in the third period, it's just gas on the fire, right? And mm-hmm. things got really scrambly at the end. Like that, you go back and you watch that last minute of play. And I forget who it was. I think it was Miller makes an unbelievable block in front that yep. was going to go in. Uh, the Devils worked it around and hit that honey hole guy for a shot. Miller makes a great block, but then it was just like uh, Chinese fire drill. Everybody scrambling around to get that loose puck. Yeah, with a win, Dwayne. And, and you know what? Good teams find a way to win. Uh, but the Sabers didn't make it easy on themselves. Uh, looking ahead to the the Islanders matchup, they're coming off of two losses to Pittsburgh. They're hungry to get back in the win column. You know, they're right in the thick of things, and they they have ground to make up. Um, you know, what are going to be the keys outside of what you said with Cousins? you know, for us to, to play well. And, and, you know, leading into that, you know, you're losing Jake McCabe who has played extremely well this year. And that's a big hole um, coupled with, uh, you know, the continued absence of Rasmus Ristolainen. Yeah. We, I don't believe we've gotten any word on Jake McCabe yet and the extent of the injury. Um, well, I have yeah. a quick update on that. The only, only update we've had is Ralph Kruger saying he is not optimistic that it's they're awaiting his MRI, that he was flown back yeah. to Buffalo uh, but yeah, anytime a coach outright comes out and says they're not optimistic, it looked like his right knee, you know, yeah, as like he that. wanted to make that hit could be MCL could be ACL. You never know with those. Um, and that's, that's tough to see. Sorry, go ahead. No, it, you know, it, it, it's tough to see. And then obviously you're, you're without Ristolainen still right now because of how hard he got hit with the COVID bug, uh, when the team was in COVID protocol, it, he got hit the worst out of everybody, and it just goes to show, you know, how serious, you know, this disease, this this virus is. And uh, I feel for Risto, I really do, and I hope he gets better because we could use him on the ice. But obviously, health comes first. Um, but I think that pressure puts some pressure on Kevin Adams to make a move here because, I mean, how can you be expected to win consistently when you're missing your top two? I'm not saying there are best two defensemen, but there are there are best defensive pairing. I think and, it's safe to say that Dwayne that they've been playing the best out of any of our defensemen this year. I think well, that's I, I, it, I, it, it's ironic because both of them struggled mightily at points last year, and you know it was almost guaranteed that Risto was getting shipped out of town. But I think you bring up an interesting point. You take them out of the lineup, and I think you know you saw that them adjust with the the minutes that Risto was eating. They you saw them adjust to him not being back, right? Mm-hmm. And I think when you take out um, a McCabe and a couple on that, I think it's really tough, Dwayne. Um, wanted to pick your brain really quick. Um, you know, with Darlene, his, his ebbs and his flows, he's looked really good. He had that excellent play against the Devils where he jumped into the play, you know, cut to the middle, tried to go five hole. There was a rebound chance that ensued. You want to see more of that because that's what we saw in the highlights leading up to his draft, you know, us drafting him. Yep. Um, you want to see more of that. And that was encouraging and he's gotten better, um, you know, outside of the, 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 the lapses in the defensive zone him letting guys behind him, you know, not being on the defensive side of the puck, easy, simple plays, defenseman one-on-one, um, really encouraged by him and Borgen. Borgen, yeah. Borgen, am I saying that right? Borgen. Well, Borgen. Borgen. Um, really liked what I saw from them. Uh, your thoughts on that? Um, I love what I've seen out of Borgen just because, you know, we've lacked a really physical defenseman most of the season, a guy who plays as well defensively in his own end, and he's shown that he can play at this level and, you know, play that that style of defensive hockey that Kruger likes, and this team has been severely lacking. Um, you know, Darlene, I think really with him, it's – I think it's a couple things. I think it's 
just not having the right partner opposite of him to, to really get him going. That's why I was always an advocate of getting a guy before the season, like a stay at home guy, a veteran to help him, give him, give him the ability to showcase and to utilize those skills that we saw pre-draft that got him drafted first overall by Buffalo. Um, but another thing too, is I think it's a confidence and swagger thing. You know, when you're, when, you know, when things aren't going well, you know, your confidence takes a little bit of hit. And he's such a young kid that, you know, maybe you're hesitating, maybe you're second guessing yourself. Maybe, you know, you want to jump in the plane. Maybe you normally would jump into the play, but you're not right now because things just don't seem to be going your way. So I think that with that devil's game, you just saw a lot of swagger on his side of things and that confidence willing to jump into the play and make, make a few plays there and create scoring chances. Yeah. And well, the point I want to touch on two things. I think a big part, and you touched on it, it well, is Darlene, I don't think he's been paired well. And, but, like, that is something with the Sabres, you can go through, you know, the Skinner thing. Has he been put with the right people? What the usage has been? And that is coaching, right? And that is yep. management. And, and we need to see better results from them. Um, and, and the other part of it, for me, you mentioned, you know, maybe Kevin Adams going out and getting, you know, somebody on the back end. Anybody that um, – you know, it comes to mind. I, I know the only, you know, the only possibility that really came up to me was us, you know, maybe in, inquiring about Adam Henrique, uh, but at his salary and the way he's been playing. Yeah, you know, it's it's a tough tough it really, it would really depend on, if, you know, with him clearing waivers, like, you know, would uh, Anaheim be willing to swing a deal where they retain salary, you know, maybe take some youth off their hands, maybe like a guy like Casey um, in exchange, maybe you retain part of his salary to make the deal worth it for Buffalo. Because I think Adam Henrique would fit well, especially into this bottom six, you know, where, you know, scoring isn't coming very, you know, very much from. So I uh, I wouldn't be against it, but salary would have to be retained in that situation. My For my sure. biggest thing is Pierre Lebrun uh, reported that out of Nashville, they might be making Matthias Ekholm available, which if that is the case, that is the guy I think you go after most of all because I think he has a very good contract. He's still under contract after the season for one year at $5 million. I think he's worth every bit of that, um, and I, he's a Swedish defenseman. Granted, him and Valin are both left-handed shots, but you know I don't know if Ekholm could play on either side or if Valin could play on either side, but I would love – I love the idea of Ekholm coming into Buffalo and being able to help our young Swedish star defenseman, uh, you know, help him develop even more because he's been in the, he's been in the show for a while. He's been a national for a little bit. He's had success. He's respected it on the league. The guy is a tank. Yeah. The, you know, he's like six foot three, 230 pounds, something like that. Guy's a big boy. So, you know, that's just what this team needs, not just for Darlene, but just in general. A guy who's going to play hard below the dots in the defensive zone. He's going to play hard in front of the net. He's going to win battles along the boards for loose pucks. He's going to get the puck out. You know, I I, I couldn't I couldn't stress more what this how much a t- this team needs a defenseman like that. And, and think speaking on Ekholm, um, just looking at what it would take. Um, and, and but like before we even get to that, you look at like comparables, the Jake Muzzins, the Alec Martinez's, how valuable they've been to the teams that they've gone to. I think Ekholm is maybe even above them. Not even maybe. I think he's above them. Um, you know, but Muzzin took it took a first round pick and a prospect. Um, Martinez took two second round picks. Um, I think you know when you, when you compare Ekholm to those, what's it going to take? Would you be willing to give up a first, especially on a team like this that it might be a lottery pick? 
Um, that's tough, man. Um, uh, it, would, it would have to be a lottery protected pick for sure. Um, and a prospect. I mean, how, how high are you willing to go on Casey. that prospect pool? See you, Casey. See you, Tage. Bye. Uh, I would, I'd be fine with either of those two, but with Nashville. Yeah, but they're they're in rebuild mode right now, and obviously they're trying to they're trying to create cap space. So um, you're also kind of doing them a favor by giving them that cap space in a time right now where you know the value of a player is much lower than it normally would be. We saw that in free agency. How is that going to affect the trade deadline? You know how how are players' values going to be affected? You know, whereas maybe Ekholm would normally get you a, a first round pick, maybe not so much. Maybe it's a second and a player. I don't really know. You know, it, it really depends on how everything's affected because every their 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 salary on their contract right now comes much more into play than it ever did before. Yeah, it really does. Um, I would love to see them make it work. Um, you know, but and that 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 begs the question, Dwayne. If if we were to make a move like that, I don't think that. You know his. I think his cap hits around three or three seven five. Uh, I I don't know if Casey and or Tage's contract would be enough. I think it, you'd have to send somebody else out the door. Uh, but I really like the idea of that, um, and I think that would help, especially with you know you look at McCabe the, the situation even before that injury. I I like the idea. I think that Kevin Adams is maybe getting put into a corner right now where he has to go out and make that move. You know, could we be could we be surprised and have a guy like Henry Yokoharu step back up? You know, because he was a healthy scratch here this past game. Obviously, I think he draws back in the lineup. If not him, then Davidson. Um, I've liked what I've seen with with Irwin, but let's be honest, he's a five six defenseman. Oh, he's got terrible boots, but I, I like what I see on the PK man. Like I like when I say that, Dwayne. I mean, I I put him in a box. I know his ceiling. He's not going to be a guy that plays above fifteen minutes a game. But I liked what I've seen out of out of the role that we've asked him to play. But I don't think he's a guy that can step up in the lineup and play more like a Yoki Haru might. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, you know, moving moving into the the Jeff Skinner uh, debacle, whether you want to call it, he's been snake bitten to say it lightly. He's been dog shit to say it harshly. Um, you know, he's a guy that you're paying nine million dollars to to you know to put goals in the net. And I think here's where it gets tough. And when I look at it. Other players that do other things well, whether it be, you know, p- being a PK guy, uh, being able to forecheck hard and, and, you know, create turnovers that way, or just being very good defensively. I don't think Skinner has that that element to his game as much, where he's a guy that if he's not scoring, what is he, what's he doing for you? Um, you know, he's he's done a better job, I think, in my eyes of, of creating chances. But, man, we're not in the almost or the maybe business. Hockey is a game oh, no. of results. Um your thoughts on everything. If you want to, you know, take everybody through, you know, his comments. I know that there was no media availability today because there was no pregame skate. The Sabres uh, decided to stay in Jersey instead of, you know, traveling to, to the Island, uh, you know, the morning before or the day before. Uh, so obviously we don't get to talk to the players, but um, you mentioned uh, his presser or his media availability a day ago. Uh, you want to take us through that? He just sounded very defeated. Um, awkward. Um you know, not a not a guy that you're used to seeing because you, when you when you think of Jeff Skinner, when you see him on the ice, he's always smiling. He's always happy to be there. He's a kid that you not you know you can call him a kid anymore. He's not a kid anymore, but like he's a guy that you when you watch him play, you can tell he loves to play hockey. He lives to be at the rink. He lives to be on the ice with his teammates. That that's who Jeff Skinner is, and that's not the the impression I got from this from this uh, this thing he did with the media and. 
it, it just sucks because, you know, if, if it is mismanagement by a coach, by the coach or not, you know, Jeff Skinner has an innate ability to score goals. He's been consistently a 30, 30, 30 plus goal scorer his entire career. You know, uh, it, this, this past season was the first time he failed to score 20 in, I don't know how many years it's been a long time. And, you know, it's, it sucks because, you know, we saw the ability that Jeff's had uh, aligned with Jack two seasons ago with him, uh, Sam, Jack, Sam, and Skins. And it, it stinks. And to hear him talk the way he did, uh, the one thing that really stuck out to me the most was I, I can't remember if it was Paul Hamilton that asked the question, but it was along the lines of, um, you know, do you think it, you, you need to take a seat, you know, and, you know, really look at the game from a different angle. And Jeff's like, you know, I've been this, this league and I've played over 700 games. And I've never felt like I needed to do that. And I think, you know, my work and my five on five play, you know, he mentioned it. He's his five on five numbers have always stood out as being one of the better parts of his game. Like I've never needed that. And it was kind of like, for me, that was a little telling because it was him kind of saying like, it's not just me, man. Like, like, I'm not being put in a situation to succeed. And then you look at this past game with him. Uh, Kruger gave Skinner zero offensive zone starts, three defensive zone starts, zero offensive zone faceoffs, six defensive zone faceoffs. Um, this is coming from NT uh, NT Rider eight two five. I think it stands for Night Rider. Yeah, Night Rider. Yeah, uh, but um, at, at NT Rider eight two five. Kevin, thank you, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin, he's you know. He, he's really big on analytics, and he's and he's. Kevin had some really good stuff out there, man. I don't agree with everything he puts out, but he's got uh, he's got some really good info, and I like his takes. We'd yep. love to have him and, on the Yep, and uh, he said so. He isn't so 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 again. I'll, I'll start from the beginning. Last game, Kruger gave Skinner zero offensive zone starts, three defensive zone, zero offensive zone faceoffs, six defensive zone. So he isn't asking the line for offense, but needs Skinner to provide more offense. Or he doesn't trust Skinner defensively, but he uses him defensively. Help me understand this. And it's contradictory coaching, bro. It's contradictory coaching. Sorry, go ahead. It is. And and you can't expect Jeff Jeff Skinner is not a defensive hockey player. He never has been. He's always been a goal scorer. And that's why you that's why you signed him to the deal you did, whether you agree with the deal or not. That's why you signed him to the contract you did to score goals. And he's being put in situations like that i have an interesting thought so we know how much power say jack eichel has right yep and we've wondered why you know jeff skinner hasn't been on you know the top line but you know it makes the most sense for him to be up with jack or you know if if taylor hall's not with jack it makes sense to have skinner up there right maybe this is a jack thing right like i i I don't know could i be wrong yes i'm just struggling to understand um, and, and, I'll, and I'm going to, I'm going to read off, uh, Kruger's comments. Cause I think it'll add some, you know, perception or depth to this. Right. So here it is. Um, you know, when asked about it, um, you know, it's no, when asked about if he's sending a message, Kruger had this to say, I have a lot of respect for the noise certain decisions will make. And in the end, my role is not to be popular, but to be respected. He said this after practice, we strive for accountability and getting players to their potential. And in the end, that's my job. And when we make decisions, it's not will they make everybody happy, but hopefully it pushes the right buttons in the individuals to have them fulfill the roles that we expect. 
But you go back, Dwayne, to your, uh, you know, the, the tweet from Knight Rider from Kevin about, you know, if you're asking, if you need more offense from him, then give him a chance to be successful offensively. Give him offensive zone starts. If you don't trust yep. him defensively and that's where, you know, you run into problems with him, stop giving him so many D zone starts. Um, I think the simple solution is when I look at that, your top six, your, your, your first and second line are going to get more, the majority of your offensive zone starts, correct? Correct. So it would make sense to put Skinner in one of those roles. But when you look at Hall, uh, Stahl, and Cousins, and then who is it? Um, Olofsson, Eichel, and who's on the other side of that? Reinhardt? Yep. Who does he replace? That's what it comes down to for me, man, and I don't have an easy answer. I personally think at this point you 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 re, you bring back the line of Sam, Jack, and Skinner and just – Hope you have the same spark that you had, you know, two seasons ago, and give it more than just a, a, a couple periods. Let them start to click. Let them practice together. Like, I'm with you on that. I'm with you 100. I think that with the lack of training camp, we really, you know, sometimes lines take a little bit to, to gel, right? Correct. And when you pull the plug on lines after they don't work for a game, like we've seen so often this year, it sucks. It does. It does. And you know, you, you see the, you see that just the the consistency of some of these lines that have been together all across the NHL and Edmonton and Toronto, what's happening in Toronto now, just, you know, just these powerhouse lines. And we had one of those powerhouse lines two seasons ago here, you know, here in Buffalo with Skinner, Reinhardt, Eichel. And now it's just so hard to find any consistency, but like you said, it's hard to find consistency when you don't stick with something. But the only thing he seems to stick with is putting Jeff Skinner on the fourth line. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. Uh, I have one last point on this. At what point when you're uh, evaluating players and their play, does, does their contract come into play or not come into play? Do you know what I'm trying to get at? Like when you're evaluating Skinner, do you evaluate him saying, Hey, you know, he's not performing to the $9 million that we're paying him. Or do you look at it like, Hey, who are our best 12 forwards? Let's rank them one through 12 and kind of go through from there. I would love to be a fly inside the wall of the Sabres and other NHL teams. Um, you know, I, I can tell you this, the Ottawa Senators for being a middling, you know, low team with no expectations this year, DJ Smith, one of the best things that they did in Windsor, Dwayne, I, I would love to see the Sabres do this every, after every game, right after the game, the coaches would watch the video and they would grade each player one through five. Right. And the point of that was to get, you know, to see trends and to see, Hey, over your last five games, if, if, a, if a player came and said, Hey, I want more ice time. You could say, hey, over your last two, after your last five games, you've averaged, you've been a one, a two, a three, a one, and a one. You're averaging like two, right? Like, th- does that justify you being up in the lineup? Mm-hmm. Um, would love to see that because, you know, as much as Kruger talks about accountability and maybe not making the popular decisions, but the right ones for the team, you know, that's subjective, isn't it? Or subjective is and why is Akposo in the lineup? You know what I mean? Like, why, why does Kyle Akposo still play? He's behind the play every time he's out there. Like, you know, you saw him make those statements. It is what it is after that shotless third period. I can't still get over that. And then, you know, he shits bad uh, the following game, uh, not taking his man on an odd man rush, which led to a goal. Which and game was, was this? Um, it was recent? Yeah, it was recent last week. Regardless, it was like he was behind the play. He didn't he didn't really put much effort into stop uh, t- picking up his man. And it led to a goal going, be- uh, going in on Buffalo. And – you know, that's accountability for me. Like, if that's me, if I'm Coach Kruger, if I, Coach Dwayne, Coach Kruger, don't matter. Kyle. Coach Dwayne Kruger. 
<laughs> you see, bro, like you're not you're not touching the ice the rest of the game. I don't care. I don't care. You know how long you've been in that locker room. Like that's unacceptable. So you're gonna yeah, talk about accountability. You're gonna hold people like him accountable. You're gonna hold Jeff Skinner accountable. Get out of here. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the one thing that in in Kruger's, I, I'm not saying I agree with this. I think the one thing that he's got going for him is that he's viewed as a leader in that locker room. Um, as is McCabe, as is Ristolainen, and, and with those two guys out, I think that I think Ralph Kruger has a soft spot for Akposo, and and it's a respect thing, and that could come. You know, sometimes hey, sometimes that works out great, right? But that's on teams where you're winning and you don't have to worry about, you know, your depth and, and, and guys like on a team like the Islanders, Barry Trotz, he's getting results from his other players. He doesn't, you know, need to be hard on, on that mm. fourth line, but they do their job. And I think when you look at Akposo, I don't know if I'm making sense here, but I think that Kruger values him for more than just his on ice product. And at this point, bro, you have to, as much as you want to worry about the culture, you have to start worrying about the on ice results. And I get that, you know, one goes with the other, but it's fucking frustrating thinking about it. And I think that until you give Skinner a legitimate chance, and you know, I was very hard on Skinner, and I was, you know, a, a, I was on the Ralph Kruger train with, hey, maybe we don't know what's going on there. Maybe he did something, right? I think I've done a full 360, 180, whatever you want to call it on that. I think until you give Jeff Skinner a legitimate look with, you know, a top six line, that you know, what are you paying him for? What are you paying him for? I, you know, I know. I, Fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's the question, isn't it? That is the question. What are you paying Jeff Skinner to do? You're not going to put him in a top, you know, top six role. And I get, the, I get the predicament. We just talked about it, and, and I guess the odd man out with with our thinking had to be Olafson. And maybe the thinking is, okay, well, you still have Olafson's, you know, production on the power play. How productive has Olafson been five on five? I don't, I don't recall many good, you know, has he been bad? No, but has he been great? He hasn't stood out. He hasn't stood out. I personally think five on five, Jeff Skinner has stood out much more. Um, I think his numbers, like the numbers behind that, you know, very much prove that. If you go to expectedbuffalo.com, Chad, Chad Dominis has put up a great article, um, you know, and I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll glance over here real quick. Uh, shooting luck. The good news is that numbers tell us that he he should start to see positive regression here. Should see a positive regression here soon. Skinner has struggled for the better part of two years. However, it's easy to overlook the fact that Skinner still led the Sabres in five on five goals per 60 minutes last season. According to Evolving Hockey, as 1.06 goals per 60 at five on five was the fourth highest rate of five on five scoring in his career. Where the goals dried up on the power where the goals dried up on the power play, he had no goals with the man advantage for the first time in his career and played his sixth lowest time on ice per game on the power play last season. For what it's worth, the season has been a career low in power play ice time for, for Skinner. But what was expected going into the season with the roster that was expected going into the season with the roster is I'm saying all this to make the point that Skinner is paid to score at five on five. While he hasn't done it this season, he did continue to do it at a decent rate last year. The season, this season is just getting out of hand in money pucks model. He is tied for 17th in the NHL in individual shot quality per 60 minutes. What that means is he's still getting quality scoring chances. I've long maintained that it, if he continues to keep that up, I won't worry about his production level. Since he has no goals and is generating chances at a good level, 
He leads he leads the league, I guess you could say, shooting three pucks below expected at five on five, according to Money Puck. The data is saying that based on his shot quality, he should have at least three goals this season. Another sign is that this is going to turn at some point. So, like, the analytics say he's doing – he's creating chances. He's creating – you know, he's creating opportunities for himself. The puck's just not going in. But, you know, what could help the puck go in? You know, better line mates. You know, more more opportunities on the power play. It's just – Wait, wait. You're, you're saying that by sitting him in the stands, it's not going to make him score more? No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Well, that was plus minus. Stay at, uh, stay at uh, even zero. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. Well, you know what? You bring up some good points. Only time will tell, but I hate fucking saying that over and over again. Uh, a quick peek at the standings before we transition into, into some other parts of the show. Dwayne, the Sabres are currently sitting in last place in the East Division. Uh, the only thing they got going for them is they have um, the second lowest games played. Uh, the Devils have one less games played, and they're two points ahead of us. Um, you know, we're at currently at 12 points. So uh, if we win out, um, you know, the teams above us, the Islanders have 17 games played. So if we win our three games um, that we have in hand, uh, we'd still be a point back. Encouraging, maybe. Uh, that would still leave us one point out of the playoffs. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's tight in there, bro. And and you, you don't want to be on that outside looking in. You want to be in that middle of the pack, right? You, you, got, you got to remember, too, is that these are all division games. So there are essentially four-point games every night, especially if you're playing teams that are in front of you in the standings. So, like tonight? But, like the Islanders? Yep. yep. So, so you're fucking like, this is a big game. Muppets? This is a huge, huge game. You're taking away two points from the team in front of you in the standings. And you're getting two points closer to that team in front of you in the stands. Again, four point swing. So looking at our next three games, right? You have the Islanders and, and the Devils twice. Okay. Right. You win those three games in regulation. Not only do you put yourself, you know, close to that, to that playoff bubble, right? But you jump those three. I think the one thing that's killed us is is all these overtime games that we've been in. And fuck, I like last year when when every game wasn't a divisional game, I used to love, I used to root for overtime. That was my thing. When I didn't have a vested interest in a team, I'd root for overtime. Now, if it's the fucking East Division, fucking end this shit in regulation, boys. Fucking throw me a bone here. Um, hey, a couple notes before we we you know we wrap up. Um, Chris Peters, friend of the show, uh, wrote a really interesting piece uh, in his time at ESPN. Uh, he just announced some some really cool news. Uh, you know, as he you know left ESPN recently, you know he's landed on his feet very quickly, like we knew he would. Uh, great guy and a great guest. Uh, but Dwayne, he went back with help and looked at the miracle game. Okay. The USA four, three went against the USSR and they tracked all of the analytics and it was really fascinating, right? Analytics gives us, you know, an outlier to, to you know, the way games are going to trend where most likely than not what's going to happen. And, um, you know, Corsi for lack of a deeper explanation is all of the shot attempts a team takes, right. To give us a better idea of, you know, you know, who's generating what. Um, and I think the expected or like the percentage of the, the shots taken was like 70 to 30, just uh, unreal, right? The, the USA should not have won that game. Uh, but it just goes to show you that, you know, it takes skill. You need to, you can get, you can have a hundred chances, but if you don't have the skill to finish those chances, it doesn't make a difference. I think the USA in that game, uh, they had seven high, high danger chances. They scored on three of them. Russia, had, USSR had like 15, and they scored on two. So it's just a really fascinating read. Um, Chris M. Peters, I believe. Check him out. It's it's one of his uh, quote-tweeted um, tweets. 
Really interesting article. Jimmy Craig um, had a phenomenal game too. People, you got to remember that. Like Jim Craig was on his game in the yeah. zone that game. They talk about it in the article. One of the things that helped Jim out is, and you remember in that era, um, the, the shot, the preferred goal scoring shot was low and hard uh, because the butterfly really wasn't around. And you see Gretzky doing that so much, right? Yep. Jim Craig played phenomenally, right? Yep. Um, but the way he played in, in, in saving those shots is he would kick out his leg and kind of almost like a half butterfly kind of kind of save. And that would, you know, kick the rebounds out, right, out outside of the right. danger area. And that definitely helped. They touch on that in the article. Um, and, man, hey, you can look at all the analytics you want. If you run into a hot goalie, fuck, there's nothing you can do. Um, but, yeah, Jimmy Craig, friend of the program, Jimmy Craig, that's on our bucket list. We, we should try to get him on. That'd be incredible. It would be great. But, no, uh, really cool article. I uh, wanted to touch on a couple other things. Um, this day, what is it, seven years ago, the, the Ottawa brawl? Uh, you uh, it was 14 years, ago, 14 years ago. Holy shit, I'm old. Yeah. Uh, Matt a friend of mine, friend of my family's. He played with my brother. I got to see him growing up. Uh, him and my brother Danny played at Franny's before Pat went to the OHL. Um, man, really quick, I saw Pat Coletta. He was a freshman playing against, you know, seniors or postgrads, right? And St. Francis versus Gilmore uh, at Culver Academy, which uh, was the the tournament that um, Shattuck was at. Anyways, Pat fucking open ice killed this kid that was five years older than him. Ended the kid's hockey career, stretcher on the ice. Pat was a 14-year-old freshman. At that moment, my dad looked at me because, you know, Dan had also played with Lee Stepniak. And my dad said to me, I remember this. He said, Lee is going to play in the NHL. He said the same thing about Pat, and uh, it was really interesting to see. So it's also Pat Coletta Day. I don't know if you know this, Dwayne. Uh, the town of Evans uh, named this Pat Coletta Day back in the day. But take yeah. us through the brawl. What do you remember about that? How old were you? What were you doing? Were you watching the game? Yeah, I was uh, just at home watching the game. And you just saw it slowly start to come to fruition after the uh, after the hit uh by Chris Neal on Drury and just seeing him lay on the ice. And just that was a type of hockey team where you didn't have to be told. And they even admitted this, like your guys didn't have to be told to told by your coach to go out there and do something that they admitted this Peters, Mayor and Coletta, or at least Mayor and Coletta or Mayor, Mayor and Peters jumped over the boards without being told to and said, yeah, we're taking this next shift. We're going against after their stars done, if that's what they're going to do to us. And that's that, you know, that's one of the most, things that stood out the most about that team was just the fact that you had, each back. Each you had each other's backs. And I look at this team now and I, 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 I it's hard to find a guy that has somebody who were to scum, Eichel or Darlene, maybe outside of McCabe and maybe at Ristolainen where you, you would get that type of reaction. You know, you just don't, I, I really, you know, I made a joke about it. There was this video floating around on Twitter from Russia, or it was a, a, a kid's class their kids are in full gear and they're being taught how to fight hockey, like hockey fight. These are kids. These are like 12. Oh, dude, that video was fucking wild, dude. Yeah. Not only that, they were throwing, like they were connecting. Yeah, yeah. They were holding back, Remember it used to be like commonplace for us, the locker box. We put helmets and gloves on and the coaches weren't in the room. And now you'd get canceled for that or, you know, go to jail maybe. Um, But I don't know, like it was a dumb at the time. Sure. But was it something we did? Yeah. But this, that was with no coaches. This fucking video, for the people that haven't seen it, is a goddamn coach fucking coach. explaining how to punch them in the right spots. Yep. And how to how to, how to use your weight to, to your advantage. Transfer weight. Advantage. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, I, go ahead. I cracked a joke. Is like, 
it's like, yeah, like there are, you know, these kids, these kids are a lot tougher than the current Sabres roster. So you, you like, you know, uh, you, you get comments like, oh, get that kid in yellow in their contracts. He's like, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, much, he's much tougher than Reinhardt, you know, just make cracking jokes. But it's true though, not that, but it's true that this team lacks that type of a passion and energy and to a certain extent violence where, you know, you're willing to go out there and hurt somebody if they hurt one of your guys. And it's, it's, it, it's one of the things I think that's keeping this team back from developing and moving forward. Yeah. And, and you mentioned it before you don't have that. I know the game's changed, right? Uh, I get that. Um, but you see other teams have that, like, it's, it's not like, a I don't know. I don't want to say a flipping switch, but if one of your guys gets hit and it doesn't have to be all the time, like it used to be. Um, but you know, you want to see it not even be a fucking thought process. You want to just have it be fuck that guy's done. And we don't have a lot of that in this team. Um, you take away McCabe now and wrist. I don't know how much Risto would do it, but like, you want to just stick up for your guys and, and it's in the moment and you don't want to overthink it or overanalyze it. And that's why I hate when people say that fighting should be taken out. Like fuck off. There's a reason why it's in the game. There is a reason why the players want it in the game. I hate when these people that have nothing to do with hockey say that it should be taken out. Listen, when the fucking day that the players association says that fighting should be taken out, which will never happen. Right. Then I could fucking uh, make that argument. Right. But my point is this, you, you hit the nail on the head, Dwayne. You don't have that. Um, I don't know. I'm not in the room, so I can't say you don't have, they don't have each other's backs, but it's just, you don't have, you don't have a ton of toughness. And I think you're going to see it tonight against the Islanders. Um, what does that fourth line do really well? Well, when, when the Islanders get in and they run that two, one, two, four check, or even the one, two, two, and they finish the Sabres D early and often, guess what? They're going to be fucking getting rid of pucks a little bit earlier. They're going to be running pucks up the boards into turnovers earlier. Turnover, be, yeah. You know, shoulder checking a little bit more and, and not as willing to, you know, board turn and take that puck up the ice because they know that they're going to be hit early and often. And I'm not saying that we need to just become a fucking, you know, fucking the Broad Street bullies, but it would be nice to see. I don't know. Let me put it this way. Against um, our last game against New Jersey, what did we do well right off the hop? I think Eakin line started. They went in. They got the puck behind their defenseman. They finished the D. We were able to keep offensive zone possession, get Eichel's line out there. We had a couple of good chances. Less than two minutes later, you know, we do the same thing. They turn the puck over off after, you know, we get it, get it after them off a good forecheck or neutral zone pressure. And that's when Cousins has that 2-1-0 with Hall and we almost score, right? Like, I yeah. think it, it all gels with each other and one thing leads to another in this game. And if you have a little bit more of that jam, a little bit more of that mentality that, hey, I'm going to get pucks behind your D right from the very drop of the puck and I'm going to make you make plays and I'm going to finish you and make you fucking feel every hit, I think that would go a long way. And a guy like Akposo, listen, buddy, you're not scoring 20 goals a year. I don't give a shit if you're the fucking one of the leaders in the room. You want to prove your worth to this team? Play that way every fucking night. Set an example for the other guys in that role, the, the Toby readers, right? Um, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm ranting now. That's your job. Um, but, no, no, uh, I couldn't agree with you more, man. Um, couple, know, yeah. A couple last things I wanted to mention. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, we, did we touch on Terry's speech? Uh, right off the hop. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. We talked about Terry's you know, speech from 10 years ago to the day. Um, uh, leading into that, though, um, Dwayne, one year ago today, what happened to our good friends? I know our, the intro video talked about it, um, but I, I I go six to midnight every time I see you tweet about this. I absolutely love it. You stir in the pot. Please tell to, please tell the listeners what happened one year ago today to our friends. One year ago, one year ago today, both 
goalies for the Carolina Hurricanes, Peter Morazic and James Reimer, were both injured in a game uh, in Toronto. And uh, per the rules of the NHL, every single uh, arena in the NHL has to provide an emergency backup goaltender. Um, with that being said, that man's name was 42-year-old David Ayers. David fucking David, Ayers. A David fucking Ayers. Big save, Dave. Big save, Dave. His wife's rocket, by the way. And, uh, you know, I remember watching that game when I, you know, getting notifications like, holy crap, man, they just put the e-bug in. They just put the e-bug in, flipping over that game. I like, couldn't believe it. And, you know, I went on Twitter and Stevie Dangles is like, just shoot, just shoot, just shoot from anywhere, just shoot from anywhere. You know, in the highest level this guy had ever played before this is Junior B. You know, he's not, he never played a high level, like extremely high level of hockey. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> he throws him that. Forty-two years old. Granted, he, he was, looks yeah, fucking good in there, buddy. He was a practice filling goalie, you know, for the Marlies and the Leafs whenever they needed a goalie. But so you <laughs> would think that they have, they would have the edge. I think when people say, "Well, hey, when you're practicing against a guy, or you played against a guy every day," you know, who has the advantage? The goalies that you know know where the shooters going to shoot, or the shooters that know where the goalie's going to shoot. I think I give it to the shooters because he plays shooter. a little bit different. So you would think that they have an edge. Dwayne, he lets in, I think, the first shot, maybe two of the yep. first three. But yep. then boy, boy just steals it. He just shuts yep. the door. Well, Six to three final. Ayers is the first star of the game. The hero, <laughs> the, Cinderella, the Cinderella story. Take a lap, Dave. Today is for you. you like, a lot of people like to call it David Ayers, or uh, Miracle on Ice Day. No, oh. this is David Ayers Day. Couple this clicks David for Dave. Couple Couple clicks today, um, unbelievable. Just, you know, looking back on that, my reaction on Twitter, my live videos were absolutely, uh, bananas. Just they were great. They were great, man. Singing that stupid soccer song around my yard and in my driveway and, you know, in the house, just running around like, this is amazing. You love this happen, game, bro. Could have happened to a better franchise. Like, oh, this is awesome. And now we here are a year later, they're leading the Canadian division and, you know, now it's just kind of like an ongoing joke with them, but it's still funny. I just, my favorite part is, you know, whenever somebody, whenever a Leafs fan gets too happy or you happens to interact with you, when it gets going, you just pull it out at the right time and they got nothing. And they yeah, always change the subject. And I just love it. It's a kill shot. It's a kill shot. You get there and tell me that my team hasn't made the playoffs in this many years, but hey, my team's never lost. At least we haven't lost to a Zamboni driver. Zamboni driver. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that works. That works for you. That works. That you, you that you had the opportunity to shoot on and scout and know where to beat him. Yeah, um, gotta love it. Gotta love it. And just right after that, just the media tour that he did. I love that. Um, you know, his wife live tweeting during the game it was just really cool stuff. I uh, love to see it. Um, so happy David Ayers Day to all. Happy Pat Coletta Day to all. Um, one last thing. Um, before we wrap the NHL outdoor games at Lake Tahoe. What a beautiful oh. scene. Gorgeous. Love to see it. They ran into some ice problems. Um, I saw some funny tweets. People are like, uh, the NHL versus the Sun. Who's going to win that one? Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, listen, I think they handled it well. They made the right decision. I saw. I started to see some guys behind the plate trip there in the neutral zone, and I'm like, dude, all it takes is one player, one one player, you know, get, getting caught in that rut and tearing an ACL, and this you will never happen. You could see the ruts on TV, yeah. too. So, it, but all I'm is – all it would take is for one player, and they would never be able to do anything like that again. The Players Association would push back. So I'm happy they delayed it. I know people were chirping them. Like, listen, what the fuck do you want them to do? Like, uh, have them play through that? 
Like the, the weather is a toss up. You can't control it. I thought they did a great job. The game last night, our boy Carter Hart didn't have a good one. Uh, looked like he was having some trouble tracking the puck. He gets he gets uh, pulled there. Uh, but fuck, man, the Bruins look good. But here's here's the thing. Last thing do last thing I'll note. Pasta has had two hat tricks this year, both against Carter Hart and the, and the Flyers. Um, Carter Hart made in like his other like twelve games has let in like nineteen goals. In his two games against the Bruins or three games against the Bruins, he's let in like thirteen. Like it's wild. Um, so I hope that for his sake they don't see the Bruins in the playoffs, um, or else Brian Elliott may be getting the start. But listen, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, um, just make sure you guys, uh, you know, if you if you uh, if your self care never stops, make sure you get to www.manscaped.com and use the promo code trainwreck all in capital letters. You can see at the bottom of the ticker there, capital letters, T-R-A-I-N-W-R-E-C-K. That'll get you 20% off of your purchase plus free shipping. That's manscaped.com, code word trainwreck. I, you know, they sent us a care package, you know, uh, they got the lawnmower 3.0, all the different deodorants and lotions and sprays, sprays for your uh, family jewels. It's amazing. For your grunge. Uh, yep. And uh, definitely, if you, uh, like I said, if you're a guy who has a big beard that you have to constantly keep growing, you know, you got to keep your girlfriend happy, you know, with your self-grooming, make sure you get the manscaped.com code word, tr- promo code trainwreck. Capital no, letters, T-R-A-I-N-W-R-E-C-K. And big thanks to our sponsor there, Manscaped, and to our boys at Trainwreck. They do a great job. Be sure to tune in tonight, uh, Sabres Islanders, and then, you know, back-to-back games. Uh, we're back at it against the Devils on Tuesday night, uh, then a day off, and then uh, at home against the Devils. So, hey, we talked about it before. Big three-game swing. You win these three uh, with your games in hand. You can put yourself a point out of playoffs. Um, Dwayne, I know you're not feeling too hot. You know, a couple clicks for you for battling through it. What a fucking warrior yeah. this guy is. Yeah. What a fucking warrior. Yeah, um, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, just having a having having a rough one here today, but I uh, yeah, always got to make sure on Mondays we get this, get this done. So, uh, no, please, hey, appreciate, please, appreciate please, fucking battling through it, Dwayne. Um, again, thanks to our sponsors at Manscape and the boys at Trainwreck. Um, ironically, episode fifty three, and on the day of Je- uh, Jeff Skinner's number, probably not in the lineup. We will see. Uh, hopefully things come better and a big win tonight would be a great way to cap it off. And I'm sure would make you feel better, Dwayne. Absolutely. Um, That'll do it for me. Um, For Dwayne Steinel, I'm Johnny Cullen. This is two goalies, one mic.
blind man Sat on a fence But it don't work Keep coming up with love But it's so slashed and torn Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests blue hotel hotline and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.